This is the word of the Lord. Dinner, party, dinner parties can be very good experiences <clears throat> when people converse easily over a range of topics and when other points of view are put and listened to politely, when the vibe is positive and the ambience is good, such dinners are a joy. But of course, you have to choose your invited guests carefully. One whole group of people for whom it would be difficult to invite as dinner guests would be the old prophets of Israel from the Old Testament. Most of them seem to have got out of bed on the wrong side most days. They were irascible, argumentative, no women among them, you'll notice, all men. They criticised just about everyone and they criticised just about everything. They had little to say that was uplifting and comforting. It's not that they had nothing to say that was, uh, that was comforting, but they had little to say that was comforting. Our readings at church over the last month or so have been from the prophet Hosea. And on the whole, Hosea has been pretty miserable. Our reading this morning is from the prophet Isaiah, and he too has had negative things to say. But in all fairness to the prophets, they were aware of the standards that God had set and they were very aware that the people had wandered away from those standards. The people had turned their back on the covenant that God had made with them. The people needed correction. They needed to be told just where in their lives they had gone away from what God had set down for them. And that's what the prophets did. But let's remind ourselves about what Isaiah spoke about in the first chapter of that book of prophecy that bears his name. We had that chapter read for us just a few minutes ago. Isaiah reported that God was fed up. God was fed up with religious observances that had no spin-off into daily living. If religious ceremony and religious worship were simply outward show and there was no inward devotion that observed the deeper ethical and moral implications, then the religious ceremony was useless. But we have to be clear, however, Isaiah was not condemning religious ceremony as such. He was condemning religious ceremony that did not lead its observers into deeds and words and attitudes that stood up for the poor and for the people who had no influence. So we could wrongly take verses 11 and so on of Isaiah to say that God is against religious ceremony. God is against attendance at worship. God is against offerings and sacrifices. God is against holy days and festivals. But that is not what the context says. And that is why when we read the Bible, it's important to read around 
and after and before the verses of scripture so that we get the context and we get the correct message. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I've had more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. Your new moons and feasts and appointed festivals I hate with all my being. They become a burden. I am weary of them. I'm weary of bearing them. But wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. I let you see what was coming. (laughs) The reason for God's displeasure and the reason for Isaiah's trenchant criticism is found in verse 15. Your hands are full of blood. Your hands are full of blood. You are doing evil. Correct oppression. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Do these things. So as I was saying, inside the temple, worship with all your heart. Inside your heart, worship with all your faculties. Outside the temple, live morally. Live compassionately. Live with the needs of others always before you and do what you can to assist them. Much later in history, when James wrote his epistle, he said in chapter 1 and verse 27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Amen, thundered Isaiah. That was my message. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had said, if you're in the temple and there you're offering your gift at the altar and there, there at the altar in the very act of worship, you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift, leave the temple, Go and be reconciled to your brother and sister and then offer your gift. Amen, thundered Isaiah again. Yes, indeedy, said St James. But the prophets also had some very good things to say. In today's reading, Isaiah gives us one of the warmest and strongest verses in our scriptures. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. And in the welcome sheet this week, I've written about a bit, a bit about washing in Jesus' day. It was a rugged experience. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Sin and rebellion and departure from God had to be recognised for what it is. But God always holds out hope for his people. Hosea showed God's agony about the rebellious people of Judah and Israel and his love for them, though they were rebellious. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? For Hosea had already reported earlier about God's loving response to the unfaithful people. 
I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness, in justice, in steadfast love, in mercy, in faithfulness. One of the concepts in theology in Old Testament that you at St Matthew's are probably more aware of than any other congregation on the face of the Diocese of Adelaide is Shalom. Oh, good, good. I know that Tim and Fiona have pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. It's one of the great ideas of the Old Testament and of the whole Bible. But I would like to add another word to your theological lexicon And that is the word chesed. To be correct, it's not chesed, it's chesed. Got to be a bit rough there. Its translation is loving kindness. And it was used by Hosea in that verse that I've just quoted. I will betroth you to me in loving kindness. Chesed and loving kindness is found most frequently in the Psalms. But it's also there in Hosea and particularly in Jeremiah chapter 31. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore I have continued my chesed, my loving kindness to you. Most often chesed is used to describe the character of God. Many places in the scripture speak of the loving kindness of the Lord. I, the Lord, show steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments, says Exodus chapter 20. Loving kindness is a part of who God is. He's a God of justice, yes, but he delights in showing loving kindness, says Micah. And we praise God for this part of his character in the Psalms. Chesed and loving kindness is most often used to describe God's heart towards those who are his own people. Loving kindness is God's kindness and steadfast love for his children, especially evident in meeting our needs. In scripture, God shows his loving kindness in saving his children from their enemies and delivering them out of their troubles. God, in his loving kindness, God comforts us, redeems us from sin, assures us of his promises. God's loving kindness is abundant, the Bible says, great in extent, it's everlasting, full of goodness. God's steadfast loving actions on our behalf know no bounds. Your loving kindness is great to the heavens and your truth to the clouds. And when this sermon ends up on the website, there's all the references in the Old Testament to all those uh, bits about God's chesed, his loving kindness. It's this part of God's character that causes God to hang in there and hang in there and hang in there with people who rebel against him, forsake his ways and turn their worship into mere show without any devotion. The New Testament fulfills and expands this idea of God's loving kindness for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the breadth and the depth of God's loving kindness shown in Jesus. The chesed of the Old Testament becomes the agape of the New Testament. What we saw in Isaiah one eighteen is fulfilled in John 3.16. The Old Testament and the New Testament both describe God's character as being love. God is love, says 1 John, and those who abide in God abide in love. And for all of us here this morning, this has been our experience. At some stage in our lives, we have experienced the great love of God that is revealed in the Son. And we have voluntarily put our lives into the loving care and the loving reign of Christ. Because we have experienced the chesed of God, the loving kindness of God. And here in this service of Holy Communion, as we reach out to receive the bread and the wine or juice of communion, we could make that simple act today, our own expression of gratitude for God's loving kindness shown to us in Jesus' death and resurrection. Receiving the bread, receiving the wine, could show our determination to do all we can to live in that love and to show it to others. Amen.